Welcome to Party at the All Points, an Age of Sigmar podcast, with your hosts, Dayton Obrey, Jeff Bodine, and Price Vandenberg. Hey, welcome fellow bomb shelter nerds to another episode of Party at the All Points. I am your host, Dayton Obrey, and with me, I got my co-hosts, Jeff. Hey there, guys. And Price. Uh, the artist formerly known as Prince on the last episode. But yeah, it's Price. How's everybody doing this evening? <laughs> I don't know, man. I think Prince is pretty good. Um, I'm not going to lie. That It kind of starts to ring with me a little bit more than I hear it. Yeah, when your well, name is Price, if, if Price wore purple like Prince, he would look like a blueberry. So. Oh, Jesus Christ, it'd be horrible. Uh, it would be, it'd be a bad look. Be, it would be comedy gold. We should probably do it at some point. <laughs> I'll have to get real drunk to get there. Yeah. All right. That well, this is, gonna, this is going to be your Age of Sigmar podcast. We're back in now. This is episode two. In this episode, we're going to be covering the tournament that I attend, the second annual uh, Crusaders Call in Calgary. We're going to go over some hobby talk and then what we're going to be doing in the future. As we all know, the situation has gotten grim dark. So to start things off, Let's go into a little bit of a hobby talk. Jeff, what's been going on? Uh, well, since we last talked, I had uh, been working on my Disciples of Zinch, guys. Um, and as anybody who has looked at that army or faced it knows, there's an atomic shitload of dudes. And uh, I have gotten some of my guys finished painted, and I have gotten all my horrors primed. So that's, that's 150 little gibbering turds that i have gotten primed and ready to go and i've painted 10 of them <laughs> but it's a, uh it's a it, site that you don't appreciate until you play it the first no, time and watch thing. it like watch it multiply on the yeah, table this army on paper looks small and then when you actually play it you're like holy jesus where are all these dudes coming from and yeah and that's how my wallet felt when i was like buying all these things i was like what the hell <laughs> it's basically the catholic ireland of Age of Sigmar. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, I'm running an army of rabbits because they just keep reproducing. <laughs> Every sperm is sacred. <laughs> and I've used them all, yes. Yeah. Every single one of them in service of yeah. each. <laughs> yeah. So my lords of uh, change here are uh, growing. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at on uh, my hobby stuff. I, I did some 40K stuff, but that's not for this podcast. Uh, my AOS progress is getting everything built. I built – oh, yeah. I also – Built another tin uh, horse and uh, well, blue and pink or blue and uh, brim horrors for summoning fodder. But uh, yeah, that's where I'm at for my hobby stuff. Cool. Yeah, and I see you've uh, posted your army on the Facebook page now too, so everyone can go check that out. Yeah, actually, that picture included uh, the mass of unpainted or unprimed horrors that are now primed. So there's proof. They existed in Nether Prime. I'll send. I'll post a new pic with the creamy whiteness on them. Gross. Oh. <laughs> All right, Bryce, what you got going on? Um, I have not been doing a ton of stuff. Uh, unfortunately, real life hit my hobby budget, but I have built a couple of handgunners, uh, and I just uh, opened up a box of two Dracoth Guard from Stormcast, which I play in Living City. I'm going to be working on putting those guys together and getting a little paint on them. I'm really excited about painting those. I'm going to paint them up in the Astral Templar scheme, which is kind of a burgundy, almost purple color scheme, Stormcast chapter or Stormhost. 
I'm really excited about paying those guys and getting them started. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Unfortunately, real life has stymied some of my hobby progress. And most people, it's given tons of opportunities to jump all over this. With so what them. about you there, man? Yeah, so after my tournament, I realized what I need to add to my army. Um, so I've gotten, I'm going to be, I ordered up another start collecting of uh, Feck. Because it doesn't make sense to buy any of those units provided on their own. Because yeah. it just doesn't work out for the value. So I got to add three more flares because I found somebody in N20 ghouls just wasn't as efficient as I thought it would be. Yeah, I think the current meta, ghouls die so quickly most of the time. I mean, there's going to be games where it helps, but more often than not, having the bodies with the wounds is a better choice. Yeah, and they just do a lot more in combat as well. Hey, and then, I guess, yeah, sorry. that's going to be a situational thing. Sometimes the ghouls will be better, but sometimes not. That's the benefit of your summoning, right? You you build up the pool and you have it, and you get to use it as you want. So yeah, yeah, it's really just the arch regent that has the option of summoning things that are different, because he can bring in the courtier or the knights or the uh, squires. So and then I got a since I didn't win, fucking best painted at this tournament, I'm now doing a display board as well. Hmm. So I got that the glue ceiling right now as we speak. Now, here's the question on Best Painted. Have you ever thought about just handing out, like, $5 bills during voting? I think that might might improve your paint score some. Dude, I was giving out beers Andy's. at 9 a.m., and no one was jumping on that. <laughs> well, you you hang over there with the teetotalers. I don't drink that early in the morning, pleb. Well, they look at you like you're weird, right? And they're like, no, no, that's cool. This is what a tailgate's all about. You ever went to the States? Like a sports game? One before a tournament takes the edge off. Dude, you, you go to a do. college football game? Like, you're drunk yeah. at 8 a.m. Because you're not allowed to drink in the stadium. So you get it's so drunk that it lasts the whole game. I, I mean, I, I, don't get, I don't get wasted when I play, but I definitely will have one to take the edge off. Because it definitely clarifies, it, it keeps my mind clear, I think. Yeah. Kind of gets that the jitters out of like that first turn because I can't count the number of times I've been to an event for either 40k or Age of Sigmar where I end up dropping the first round because I just am so like or I used to it's something I've gotten a lot better at but I used to I drop that first round because it's so in my own head that I'd miss really easy plays but crack open a cold one toss that dude back before the round you'll be all right it'll just it cuts right through the tension and you just get relaxed. Well, it gets me in the spirit of the fact that I really I don't care if I win or lose. I'm just having fun playing the dice. So then uh, to go back in, uh, one of the subjects we want to start going over to is giving shout-outs to people in the community. Um, one of my buddies, Joe Cryer, he just started up his own one-on-one list building and advice. If anyone knows Joe Cryer, Cryer he is uh, one of the top ITC Age of Sigmar players. He's also on the Team America, I believe. Yeah, it was and, last year for sure. Yep, and he just started up uh, Titan Wargaming. So if you go check him out, I think it's like 20 bucks. He'll write you up uh, some lists and give you some advice. Super chill guy, super nice, unless you're playing against him, and then he's an asshole. <laughs> he's also the, uh, if anybody doesn't know, he's also the ATC AOSTO, uh, and a really class act guy all around. Yeah, he's young as balls, and his mom is just the greatest. Uh, Joe, I love your mom. But um, like he, no, he's like actually he literally really loves your mom. <laughs> if you met her, you would love her too. 
That might be. But uh, Jeff, you got anyone you want to <laughs> shout out or what? Um, not. Uh, I haven't. I, like I, we had talked about consuming more media, and I haven't. I have been <laughs> focused on uh, my own hobby pursuits, uh, and haven't really. Actually, I haven't listened to any podcasts, which is terrible. Because I'm literally, literally making a podcast and asking people to listen to it while not doing so myself. So don't do as I say, not as I do. What so, a jerk. Yeah, no. So you're saying the three people that have listened to our podcast, you're not one of them? Uh, no, I, uh, you're right. You're right. I listen to my own podcast because I'm <laughs> such I'm such a uh, <laughs> so self-indulgent that I love the sound of my own voice. And <laughs> I literally went and listened to my own podcast just to hear it. Price? Uh, yeah, there's uh, I think there's a lot of really cool people doing it, especially as times are getting tough. Uh, I know we talked about him last time, but the Honest Wargamer, he's streaming a ton right now. He's basically streaming every day. Um, so if you want to consume some daily AOS content, uh, another guy is Darren Watson. I'm sure if you guys are in Age of Sigmar, you've seen his List Diary show that he does with the Honest Wargamer. It's really cool stuff. Uh, and then the Rage of Sigmar guys, we talked about them last week as well, but just uh, a lot of guys that I think are doing cool stuff. Some of it is super helpful. Some of it is super fun, but a really great all around um, sort of exposure to our hobby and, and the people in it. I think are those three guys. Yeah. I mean, uh, honest Wargamer Rob, this is basically his full-time job now that he's, this is all he's doing. Right. But, uh, all right, moving on, uh, just for the people that really don't understand some of the co-hosts who know who was actually talking to you. We're going to go into a little bit of a deep dive into one of our hosts, Price. Uh, let's ask you five questions. Now, you can feel free to bow at any time, but let's get the audience to know you a little bit better. And question number one is, what three essential items would you stock in your bomb shelter? Three essential items for my bomb shelter. You, you got to have toilet paper. Nobody, nobody wants a nasty ass in the apocalypse. I'm going to go with a shovel, uh, primarily because you can both use it to do a lot of constructive stuff, and if you've got to rob somebody, it's just a great tool to brain a dude with. Third item... Don't yeah, forget about my food. dogs. Don't, don't forget like, about food. you got yeah. to remember food. Uh, I, I'm just going to... I'm probably going to go post-apocalyptic cannibal pretty quickly in that process. Uh, I'm, I'm stocking probably my dog. My wife's in the other room, so she can hear me right now, so she'll probably be pretty upset at that. <laughs> But my dogs are coming in with me, I think, is my third option. So, Well, I dated a girl in high school that used to eat toilet paper just to make sure she would lose weight. So you wow. can't eat that. Yeah. I'm sure you oh, can. Yeah. I mean, primarily plant-based in large. So. <laughs> All right, question number two, Price. What weapon do you associate yourself as? As far as using? No, as your characteristic. What would you define yourself as a weapon? Something oh, blunt. Yeah, I'm probably a shotgun, right? Like zero precision, no art, no delicacy. I will get the job done. There will probably be collateral damage most of the time. Um, but uh, just an absolute blast to uh, to use on a regular basis. Uh, so I'll toss that out there. A, a shotgun or if we're going with some sort of medieval weapon, uh, a mace or a hammer. I'm not a subtle human being in the slightest. Yeah, beat the shit out of it. It will still give you a response. Correct. <laughs> All right, question number three. The stupidest thing you have ever done? 
Oh Lord. Uh, that's a, that's a really tough question. Cause I've done a lot of really, really dumb shit in my life. Pick one, man. I, uh, I got so drunk one time that I head butted the back of a toilet and broke it. That's pretty, <laughs> pretty terrible. That's uh, like a really awful experience. And I'm surprised that I wasn't more significantly concussed. Was it in your own home? No, thank, thankfully it was not in my Is own this home. Is this the bathroom renovations you were talking about? <laughs> thank God, no. No, this was uh, me at a much younger age when I didn't know how to drink very well. So I'm going to toss that one out there. The Lord knows he might have. Uh, one time when I still worked for Games Workshop, I got so drunk at a company Christmas party that I vomited out of the side of a regional VP's rental car and cost him <laughs> some money and clean up. So that was a really bad idea, too. Uh, I didn't get in too much trouble for that, but that was a pretty rough go. I think the worst vomit story I've ever heard was uh, my buddy and we were driving in a prelude and he was in the front seat and he puked into his vent, into his air vent while he was driving. Oh my God. In winter, in Canadian winter. So you can't like, we we're throwing snow into it, trying to wash it out. But we were, we always got rides with him to go to the snow ski hill. And yeah, you smell puke for like a month at least. Yeah, bro, unless you're going to break down that whole dash and take it completely apart and clean it. That's a miserable experience. <laughs> Do not ask a bunch of college people who are usually drunk to take apart your dash. That's a probably good life advice. <laughs> All right, Price, question number four. What's your favorite Pauly Shore movie? Encino Man. <laughs> I would know right. a close second, but Encino Man's amazing. Honestly, it was like three choices, if that. That one's pretty easy. And then uh, what's the most amount of money you spent at the strippers? I'm not big on the shake joint, honestly. It's I've never been been a big spender there. I I probably spent like 150, 160 bucks at some point, but I definitely am not a guy who's who's thrown a lot of my dollar bills at the at the dances or the stage on that one. So so sorry. How much money have you made at the strippers? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm the kind of guy who walk around a strip club with super glue on my shoes. So you know. <laughs> oh, that's hazardous. All right, we'll move it in. So I know the concept of this whole show was based around what we're going to be doing for tournaments and how things are going to be moving along. Unfortunately, I think I'm going to be the only one to be able to contribute to this. Because I was able to, well, yeah, for a little bit at least. But I was able to attend the second annual Crusaders Call in Calgary, Alberta. Uh, this was last Saturday. And this was hosted by Mike at the Ogre's Den. So uh, I believe they had 24 people all together. And they were custom scenarios. And basically, it was minus 20 out. I show up. I drive early in the morning. It's a three-hour drive for me. I get there. I bring my little Yeti cooler full of beer. I get out. There was another car that was pulling in. Two guys unload, and I just jumped out, and I was like, hey, you guys want a beer? And that's when they gave me the weirdest look I've ever seen. And they said, it's 9 a.m., and then they proceeded to go inside. So I stayed in the truck, had a couple beers, jumped in, then kind of threw my army down, got to meet the guys a little bit. Uh, people weren't really social in the morning. As a, like tournaments, when they first start off, kind of people just get in their groups anyways. There's a lot of nerves for people that really want to win. So then I uh, jumped into the vehicle, grabbed another beer, and then we kicked things off at 9.30 in the morning. Now, my first opponent, his name is Evan. He ran a Skaven list. 
which was really cool to see. He was a super, super nice guy. I just want to say right up front, the people that were, everyone I played against, the people that I was bullshitting with in Calgary, are all like a good, solid amount of guys, and they're all like good people. That's always it's, a, it's, a big plus when you get well, to yeah, it, and meet good dudes. Like everyone I was talking to was like construction workers or people in my trade. And yeah, people got like okay. really nice. Sorry? Hooking, hooking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to do what you got to do there. to pay the bills. So if you really yeah, want to entertain, just if you want to entertain a situation, you take a bunch of people that hook all the time. You take them up for ice cream. <laughs> anyway, so I played uh, Evan for my first round. Uh, the tournament or the mission pack for this one was every single scenario or scenery piece. If you end your hero or movement phase within one inch of a uh, piece of terrain with five models and one hero on a three up, you light it on fire and you get three victory points for every piece of terrain you light on fire. It's hmm. an interesting scenario. Kind of a scorched earth or better part of valor type feel to it. Yeah. There are no objectives and then you get bonus points based on what you agree on in the beginning of the round. And one of them was basically if you kill a unit that started with less than 10 wounds, you get one point. More than less than 20 wounds is two points. Less than 30 wounds is three points. Uh, heroes, two points. And your generals, three points. So gotcha. that's how they did the secondaries on the other thing, too. Which was really cool for Skaven because he put his uh, warp, what are they, the, uh, the tunnels? Uh, holes. Yeah. He put them in my deployment zone until he realized that I could just burn them and get victory. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that shut him down. He took them both. I, I let him take them both back. So he yeah. just had one in his area. But he was running a list. Uh, it had a hell pit abomination. He had two rattling gunners. He had Tharkul and the Bone Ripper, yeah. which was really cool to see. And then he had a unit of six Storm Fiends, which was my oh, ASAP yeah. kill right away. He had a Doom Wheel. He had two big blocks of Clan Rats, and then he had a block of Storm Fiends. With the uh, there was one. What are they? Their Warlock. Yeah, Warlock Engineer. Did it have the? Was it the one with the missile, or just the regular Warlock? No, it was the Warlock with the missile. Okay, Bombardier. So yeah, and then uh, I was much lower drops because Skaven have a hard time of getting anything close to uh, low drops. I had, uh, I guess, for the, my listeners, I had a five drop army. With uh, <laughs> low, <laughs> I know now I gotta look through all my shit. Basically, it was I had the Royal Mordant, which is uh, the court uh, Vangolf Courtier, a uh, block of ghouls, 20 ghouls, a block of six uh, flares, three horrors, and then I had the Arch Regent on Terrorgeist, I had a ghoul. Arch region or not arch, yeah, arch region on his own, and then a ghoul, archer ghoul on foot, and then another block of ten ghouls. So it was a five drop list, and it was blister skin, so I'm super fast. But I end up getting because I had the lower drops, I took first turn, I gave it to him because everything was too far away to even mess with me. Yes, Skaven outside of their gnaw holes have a hard time. Generating a lot of threat on the first turn. Yeah, he didn't have any of the uh, the cannons, 
the right. warp lightning cannons, so mm-hmm. there was nothing deep that could hit me, and the storm fiends can't shoot that far. So I let him advance up a little bit. Uh, he ended up burning one of his terrain pieces right in the beginning, so he's up three points. And he kind of kept things a little bit reserved. And when I took my first turn, I summoned in all my ghouls, I summoned in my flares, I summoned everything in the back lines, and then I just moved up, like, what was it, 18 inches with my flares. And then I was able to tie in the storm fiends, get them blocked up, was able to remove the storm fiends. And then from there on, it just kind of went back and forth. One of the big highlights of it, though, is this Hellpin Abomination. My terror guys went into the Hellpin Abomination, killed it, and then he rolled the four up to bring yeah, it back. Resurrected it. Yeah, he resurrected it, got it, and then I just attacked again and then killed it again. <laughs> uh-huh. That's rough, but when a Hellpit fully reses, it is a, it's one of those moments where you're like, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> it's a cool model. <laughs> Like it, it's sweet to see Skaven like that. Uh, he went in with his rattling gunners, and he ended up rolling eleven hits with it, the one round, and then he rolled two hits the second round, and then destroyed himself. So Skaven is just the greatest to play against. I ended up winning that twenty-eight eighteen, and that was my first introduction to wipe or uh, warp lightning vortex. Yeah, Endless buddy, call. that's nasty. Fuck, it's it's honestly the worst. But one of the things that uh, at least you're playing post FAQ because before it was FAQ the, the it was like a 26 inch range instead of 13. Yeah. So imagine him being able to cast it from his line into your line. Oh my god. Well, he he cast it around and blocked in my terrorgeist. Because mm-hmm. then you can't fly, you can't right. run can't move over out it. of it. Yeah. But you can move through it because the seven inch distance does give you enough to move through it. Right. But one of the things he won't was kind of a contentious point was uh during the charge phase charging is not a normal move correct correct yeah so i was able to fly over it and that was kind of a brought up point yeah if he if he really wanted to get nasty with it and this this still functions it's not quite as good as it used to be but the trick is you use warp lightning vortex and shackles the endless spell shackles so what you do is you set up the warp lightning vortex and then set the shackles up so that you base trap and you can stop a model from being able to move with those two endless spells. Like, flat out, you can prevent a model from being able to move until one of them is dispelled. Yeah, there you go, Evan. If you're <laughs> listening right now, that's what you add to your army. So It's, it's a great way to make sure no one enjoys playing a game again. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I advocate for that, but uh, it is a strategy. It's very, it's, oh, it's, it's such a pain in the ass, but it's such a good, good Honestly, setup. Skaven have so many tools. You don't even really need any kind of thing like that, man. Just, they have so much, so much power between plague monks and the, the storm fiends. They can pretty much put down any kind of killing that they want to do. And they got the bodies to hold objectives. They are, they're, they're an army that has all the tools you need to be competitive. Yeah. So we, uh, I ended up winning that game in 2018. And then he proceeded, he likes beer, so we went back to my truck, we had a beer, and the first thing he says to me when he jumps in the truck with me is, do you understand what chemtrails are? are? No, 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 it wasn't that kind of tournament. (laughs) Oh my. But he asked me what chemtrails, do I know what chemtrails are? And I still to this day do not know what chemtrails are, but my response was, I vaccinated my kids, does that have anything to do with it? And he's like, yeah, we're good. We can drink beers together. So I was like, okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> I was at ATC talking about vaccinating kids. 
I was at ATC on like my round four last year, and I was talking to a guy, and like I made a I made a joke about like not vaccinating because of big pharma or something. To be clear to all the listeners, I believe in vaccinating your kids. I'm not anti-vax. <laughs> I made the joke, and my opponent did not laugh in the slightest. He just looked at me really like dead face. And so I had to stop the game and be like, hey, man, I'm I'm not anti-vax, I promise. Because I don't want this guy going back to wherever he's from and being like, man, I played this guy from Memphis, and he didn't believe in vaccines. So you got to be careful with that or somebody's just going to be this guy's an anti-vaxxer. The world is flat. Tennessee's weird. It is. It's a weird place. Oh my God. How did we end up here again? I don't, I don't even know. Chemtrails. Chemtrails, oh, Jeff. All right. Pay attention. So beers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so we had a beer. Uh, we had a little bit of a lunch break, which was fine. Uh, there's a bunch of venues in the area, so that was cool. And then my second round opponent was uh, Nick. He is French Canadian. Uh, I'm not sure. Well, there's if he's your like, problem right there. I'm not sure if he's Montreal or Quebec French. I, I didn't ask, but he rolled in with a Caradon Overlords list. And the first thing, basically, I've never really gone into heavy in the tournament scene. Uh, I try to understand my army the best that I can. I haven't really evolved to understanding all the armies I'm facing against. So one of the questions I always ask people is, hey, I know my army. Do you know your army? And they say, yeah, cool. You got questions for me? I got questions for you. We'll just put it out there, right? And he said right away, you're not going to have a good time playing against this army. (laughs) So he had... Uh, an ironclad. He had a couple companies, ether chemists, and two thunderers with the guns for the minus one to hit. And then he had what? The, what is that? I think that's like Jeff Budden's creaky chair. Every <laughs> once in a while, what? I can hear your chair creak every oh, once I, in a while. I haven't even and, moved. It sounds like you're ripping it's ass. It's not the chair. So. It's not the chair. He's ripping ass. <laughs> I am not. I swear to God. I just mind my own business. Why don't you? Why don't you read that list, from weirdo? <laughs> I mentioned thunder as you start farting, so I was stuck with one. Maybe it's all in your your twisted little mind. Uh, yeah, two gun holders, an admiral, and then he allied in a knight and cantor with the comet, and then he had the artifact of uh, spell in a bottle with the. Warp Lightning Vortex. So there's a theme through this whole tournament, and that is Warp Lightning Vortex. But we had equal, yeah, we had equal amount of uh, drops. We both had five, and then he won the roll for deployment. Not understanding that when you do that, that means he is now going to go first. So I didn't set my lineup the best possibly. He took first turn. And basically the scenario was there was five objectives. So one in the center and then one on each of the points. And basically as long as you hold control, it just starts ramping up the victory points. It wasn't anything crazy. And then, uh, so he took first turn, garrisoned his unit, which garrison was a rule that I wasn't super familiar with. Don't worry, you are, until... KO came out as a book. No one understood the rule at all, so it's, yeah. it's pretty oh. obscure. So <laughs> people, as they play Seraphon, are going to get a lot more familiar with it. Well, there was a center terrain feature that was a building, mm-hmm. 
and he ruled that well we ruled that as being something that could get us into so he moved up he got the advanced move with the ironclad <laughs> of course he would I mean, I don't know if this guy's listening, but he's got an army full of shooters, and of course he would want a piece of terrain that he could garrison. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about where he cheated later. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm not I'm not at all surprised by this relatively uh, self serving decision. He ended up winning the whole tournament too, I believe. But oh. so he went in, moved super fast, went in the front lines, dropped everything off, and killed my terror guys in turn one. He dropped the warp lightning vortex into my main lines i was somewhat castled it didn't do much on its initial jump in but then during the end of the movement phase it proceeded to do like 13 mortal wounds and just screw me so we killed my terror geist he's in my lines he's garrisoned uh i got rid of the light warp lightning vortex i was able to dispel it because he can't bring it back that's only a once per game so i got rid of that i started to claw back with my flares and Everything kind of healed up, and I killed a bunch of his units. I wasn't able to touch the ironclad, but basically, I would have been able to make a game of it had I had first turn in the second round. That was not the way the dice wanted to play, so he got the first round, and then he dropped a comet into me, and then just messed me up. Yeah, comet. So that, comet's very punishing if you've got a lot of characters or units kind of closely yeah. stacked. It can remove them pretty pretty viciously. Chaos yeah, a difficult book in general to like if you haven't played it before understand it's really difficult to understand what that army can do until you play against it and watch them pick up their whole army on turn one and deploy it wherever they want to deploy it and then put a 2000 points worth of shooting into one spot well it's so he has a garrison unit and then i had models that are close enough to the thunders and he had an ether chemist so they're each getting minus one for the models that are within three inches of those models right so I was like minus three or minus two on some of my hits against the garrison unit. So I'm attacking the garrison unit, get in there, take out most of the garrison unit and stuck in. So he eliminated a lot on his round. I played out my second turn and then he proceeded to then garrison in the third round his uh, knight in Cantor. And that's where he cheated me. Nick, if you're listening to me, which I hope you are, you cheated me. <laughs> Not that it made a big difference. You were going to beat me anyways. But you can't garrison into a terrain feature if you have models, enemy models within three inches of it. Correct. That is correct. Also, as a heads up, I, I don't know like the specifics and not to, to lay on an accusation. The Aether Chemist Atmospheric Isolation ability, which is the additional minus one to be hit, can't be used if the unit is garrisoned. So if they are garrisoned in, say, a boat or a terrain feature and the Aether Chemist is with them, he can't use the Atmospheric Isolation ability. No, he was outside of the garrison. I'll okay, give him that. cool. Yeah, like and then that, he, had the, he had the Thunder is next to him. Right, which so got, if you take two. one of every special weapon, they'll make you minus one to hit as well. So Yeah. And just another footnote on garrisoning, since, like I said, Seraphon are going to be using that. Their little terrain piece does that. Um, like Dayton said, you can't garrison if there's an enemy within three. You also have to start your turn already in range. Right. You can't yeah, it's a, it's run up of, and then just get in it. So yeah, it's an instead of moving option to that's garrison. That's right. You cannot have moved and still garrison. So that's just K-O basic. Or, that is K-O basic four rules but... for garrisoning. Yeah. 
KO yeah, has a slightly I, different rule set because of the way their their Skyfarer's rule works. But yes, that's Jim. Right, and I think actually KO can probably start their deployment already garrisoned. Correct. So if you have a terrain feature in your deployment zone, you can well, start. I mean their boats have a garrison. So yeah, they they garrison their boats too. So. Yeah, their boats anyway, themselves are a garrisoned. Yeah. You got blasted off by some KO. What's uh not and then uh yeah, so he I called it in turn so he got the start of turn four, and that's Mm -hmm. where I just called it. I only had a couple ghouls. I was I was keeping up with the objectives, but I didn't have anything. He still had his ironclad, he was able to back it out. He has Admiral, like he had he had enough there to eliminate me, so I just called it. And then we went to the brew pub, we had a bunch of beers. He was actually a really nice guy, he's a contractor. And then uh Went in for my last round against Graham. He's a teacher, super nice guy, and he's playing the uh, Ma Tribe, Ogre Ma Tribe. Okay. So he had uh, Iron Guts, a unit of eight Iron Guts. He had Gluttons. He had the Ice, what is it, the Iceboro Hunter? Yep. Where he keeps it in reserve. He had some Sabres. He had the Husker on Stonehorn, mm-hmm. Slaughtermaster, and then he allied in the Fungoid Cave Shaven. Cave Shaven. Okay, for the extra a, spells. Uh, that's a um, one of the goblins. Yep. Episode yeah. Gloom's Fight Get. Which can, fight. he can cast two spells in once per battle or something? Correct. Yeah, he can eat his mushroom and cast an extra spell yeah. uh, for a fairly inexpensive price and a pretty decent War Scroll spell as well, so... And sweet looking model. It is thread. So we started it as uh, it was three objective points. It was long way deploy. Uh, so you have an objective at the center, and then we have our own. And then he, I gave him, I had lower drops than him, so I gave him the first turn. He moved in, took the center objective. And then one of the things I asked him, I, I didn't really understand it that well. I haven't played against this army before. And I asked them what they get. Because I understand like the hunger thing, but I just didn't know what the buffs were. Yeah. And he originally told me that they get the morale when they're not in combat. Oh no, no, <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> the other way around. Yeah, you yeah. get bonus movement. So when you have an army that depends upon your morale to do mortal wounds, so I moved everything up. I screamed a bunch at his gl- uh, iron guts. I think it did like one mortal wound to it. And then I rolled, I guess he, he was leading up with the Stonehorn, and his Iron Guts were kind of slightly back. My Flare is rolled like a 12 or 11 for their charge. So I decided to go after the Iron Guts, not knowing what the Iron Guts do. Yeah, fixed damage uh-huh. three is real nasty. Yeah, so we, we squared up, and he just wiped them right out. Yeah, good rend, high damage, that's the kind of thing Flare. Yeah, iron Guts are an elite unit for them, and they're going to smash your face if you don't take them out. So then he realized, like, they don't get the morale boost until they're in combat. But he realized that probably about the third round, he was like, we, we could just redo it. I'm like, ah, it doesn't matter at that point. <laughs> he was already wiping out a bunch of my stuff. And then, uh... <laughs> so another side note on this, too. My best friend that lives in Calgary came to visit me. He doesn't play gaming at all whatsoever. He's a respiratory therapist at the hospital. So he came to, he's just trying to understand. It. He's just like, so... He just wiped out all your stuff. You don't have anything on the board, so what do you do now? I'm like, well, you, you smile at your opponent and you try to play the best that you can. But uh, he, I mispositioned my Terrorgeist. He rolled in with his 
his uh, Huskard, killed my Terror Geist. And then I killed his Huskard with the best way that you could possibly do. That gets something that has ignoring rent and three up save and a five up DPR. And that's 20 ghouls fighting twice. Yep, they'll go right through it all day long. Don't <laughs> care about rend and just do volume. Yeah, and just tens volume. That's but that's always how you deal with the amulet. So, yep. By the, the amulet way, build is, though on that guy. Yeah, that is the ethereal amulet, which is one of the death realm artifacts. Yeah. It is um, a, an addition that you can choose from the malign sorcery uh, expansion set. Dane, do you know if he ran metal cruncher on that as well? Yeah, I'm not sure. Remember? Gotcha. Uh, if you're listening and you're thinking about Maw Tribes, I, I really recommend at least giving a look to uh, uh, Huskard with the Ethereal Amulet as well as Metal Cruncher. It's an absolute monstrosity of a unit that can absorb a ton of punishment and deal out a fair amount of mortal wounds in a, over the course yeah. of a game. So just a general, nice. like, cool build, cool trick idea. Yeah, we'll have more commentary on list suggestions uh, towards the end of the episode. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, no, it was good. Uh, so we got in the fourth round, and this is, like, when he's already kind of doesn't know his rules that well, I start pulling up my app, I start reading his units more, because we got time. And then he brings in his hunter in the fourth round, starts shooting up a bunch of my guys, and then I had to look it up, and you're like, well, you can't do that, because... <laughs> he's dead essentially yeah. if you don't bring him in the end of the third round yep. so we took that back real quick and then I just called it in turn five yeah well yeah, turn five is the end of the game a, bro <laughs> yeah, that can be a bit of a, a sour feeling but at the same time it's part of learning the game and sometimes just about being graceful and to process. be fair like like all my games that I played against even the people that didn't understand the rules that properly my movement and my positioning is what lost me the game not those rules. Age of Sigmar and, is a really interesting game in that it's super hard to see a lot of the depth and the layer in the game until you start playing it a lot and understanding how important movement is and how much yeah. it can cost you a game. Yeah, I, I mean, like, we may have said this in the first episode, but I think it bears being reiterated, is that AOS is a, is a game of movement and that the violence you do to your unsuspecting uh, enemy is intended to facilitate better movement and getting objectives because that's how you win. You know, you don't have, you can win a game and never kill a single model. They got the chat, John Madden over here with Jeff Bodine. That's if right, you score buddy. more touchdowns, then you're a yeah, The best way you're to win a win game games. Is score more points than the other guy. <laughs> now, you just got to start talking about how Brett Favre is the best quarterback uh, in football. And if you cut both his arms and his legs off, he'd still be the best torso in all football. So, <laughs> well, it's just a flesh wound. So, so, Overall, Dayton, um, how'd you feel about the, as far as just like the experience of the tournament, uh, the custom scenarios, what'd you, what'd you think is your overall experience there? So the custom scenarios were a little bit overwhelming for someone that's coming into the tournament scene, in my opinion. Everyone kind of understood things really well, but I was still coming in new. So to then get custom things, you have to kind of pay attention to. Like in my second match, like you had to cast spells to the realm to get bonus points. Things like that, I just you just forget about. Right. So, I was a little bit overwhelmed with that, but understanding my list a little bit better. Like, I'm not someone that learns while I'm playing. It's when I go home, when I open up my books, and I start replaying everything in my head. Yeah. That's when I get better. That after-action report is definitely an important part of 
I, uh, I'm in the same boat. A lot of times mid game, I'm not necessarily picking stuff up. I'm remembering things, but it's that going home and sitting down and thinking about it, reading the book and going, oh, okay, cool. I could have done X. This does Y. Oh, I forgot about Z in this situation. And then, uh, being a podcaster now, content creator, taking notes to then provide content, but it also gives you a lot to reference on to when you go back and look over these things too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so. I learn a lot from introspection, uh, post-action, but I mean, like I also am lucky enough where sometimes I'll be like, wow, I just screwed up, you know, and like see the error. Do you ever yeah. introspect about the times that you throw stuff at me when we play games or... Oh, no. no, no. You're just completely all right with that? Those are the prides of my life, actually. (laughs) But, you know, the real disappointment comes when I just fail to hit you. That's fair. Which is impressive, because I'm a pretty big target. So the fact that you can't hit me is pretty disappointing on your part. (laughs) He's he's the round mound of of rebound. (laughs) If only. I'm nowhere near your school as Charles Barkley. (laughs) I'm glad you got the reference, though. Charles Barkley is my favorite basketball player of all time. Uh, He's he's fair He's I'm going to briefly yeah. interrupt our podcast, tell Charles Barkley story <laughs> if you don't like sports, sorry. Uh, Charles Barkley one time was being interviewed, and he, the interviewer asked a question he didn't like. Charles Barkley says, I don't give a flying fuck about that. And the interviewer says, sir, you can't say, you can't say what you just said on the radio. And Charles Barkley goes, I can't say flying fuck on the radio? Well, I don't give an FF about what you have to say. <laughs> anyway, back to Age of Sigmar. Sorry, for anyway. He also got quoted to say, I heard you have a gambling problem. And he said, It's not a gambling problem if you got money. <laughs> Touche. All right, kids, don't go out there and gamble away your rent. Yeah, don't do that. Not now. <laughs> yeah, definitely not so, now. Yeah, you're going to need that. So uh, Overlapping, though, like the second annual Crusaders call hosted by Mike at the Ogre's Den. It was, the people were awesome. It was really cool showing. Uh, I would love to have seen it be ITC, especially now because we're not getting tournaments in. But uh, other than that, though, it was really cool, really cool group of people. I'll try to make it to Calgary once things become normal again. Yeah. Speaking so, of not ATC adventures, uh, Jeff and I did play a game before the the lockdown started to hit. So yeah, yeah you guys talk about that. I'll be back in five minutes. That's, five a, minutes. that's a long piss break, my guy. <laughs> Uh, while while Dayton's taking care of whatever the hell Dayton's taking care of, Jeff and I played probably what three weeks, two weeks ago now, Jeff, something like that. Yeah, yeah it was a couple weeks back. Um, I was playing a Living City list, something that I've been iterating on and, and playing around with. Jeff, you were playing. I was playing my Disciples of Zinch. If the listener remembers, we did mention that we were going to be playing this game, and Price had mentioned the list style that he was going to bring, and I said that Price doesn't stick on a list for very long and i'm happy to report that the list he said he was going to bring did not even make it two days before it's changed and he did not in fact bring the list he was saying he was going to bring and brought something completely different it's all so part anyway, of my mind Bryce, game it's all part of my game <laughs> yeah so i played a I, I played a living cities list i had a dreadlord on black dragon um with iron oak artisan and the Lance, whose name I forget right now, uh, loaded up on that guy. It makes Trust. him always strike first on the turn he charges. Gives him an additional point of rend as well as uh, an additional point of armor save. Um, he gets, yeah, he gets plus one damage on it at all. No, no, it's plus one damage on the charge. It's normally damage one, but it goes from rend... One to two or one to three. It was three. It was three because I remember commenting that it hit harder than the hammer of Sigmar. 
Yeah, it's so it's a very effective build. Um, yeah. I was also running four Dracoths. Uh, what which ones are they, Jeff? I just had a mind for it. They're um, the um, the the ones with the axes, which are yeah, the desolators. desolators. Thank you. Yeah, desolators. four desolators, a celestial hurricaneum, as a hero. Also a son of a bitch. The best little truck in Age of Sigmar. Yeah. Three units of ten handgunners. That's my battle line. Two yeah. Grunstock gun haulers. Uh, Dayton was just talking about them. They can do their fly high tricks. Mm-hmm. A unit of shadow warriors, and then a unit of uh, three scourge runner chariots, which the are chariot. very effective. Right. I was very pleased with the way they functioned. They uh, and that's the the bulk of the list. I may be missing something in there, but that's the the majority of what I was running. It's I'll a- remind uh, the the listeners of my list real quick, and then that'll kind of set the table. And we can oh, talk sorry, Jeff. Jeff, before you uh, jump into uh, that, did you literally say that it hits harder than the hammer of Sigmar? It does, because it does. So that's how you guys converse to each other while you're playing games? Uh, well, I mean, the literal hammer of Sigmar is, is Ren 2, and that thing was Ren 3, which just makes my ass hurt. So you guys dare to play uh, a lot? This, this, correlates, yeah. this correlates into me bitching about Stormcast sucking. Okay, so... <laughs> which is actually Jeff's hobby, so if you guys uh, it ever... It is. I make a... We can I make make a uh, and you meet Jeff at a tournament, just ask him how much he loves the current... And maybe by the time we get there, Stormcast will have a new book and this will all be moot. But if they don't, I highly encourage you to ask Jefferson his feelings on the Stormcast book. Well, but, they just didn't age well. But anyway, let's get let's stay on track here. I'm sure people are tired of us sidetracking. Um, okay, so my <laughs> Disciples of Zinchlis, uh, it is the... the the conflagration, uh, the eternal conflagration, and that is a, and it's also uh, got a change host in it, which is a battalion. It's got, it's. I have a two drop list. Uh, the low, the single drop, is uh, the the lone singular unit drop is a gaunt summoner on a uh, disc of zinch. Then my battalion is a lord of change, two units of ten pinks, two units of three screamers. Uh, two, uh, what were they? Flamers. It was, yes, that's right. A, an, an exalted flamer and then a unit of six, uh, regular flamers, the blue scribes, and then the changeling. So, uh, this is, uh, the, the, this bonus for the list is getting an additional, uh, point of rend on a lot of my magical flaming attacks. As well as playing Change Host, which gives him the redeploy option. Change Host, yes, which also is another funny story. Yeah. <laughs> Price, Price will elaborate. I'll let him have that because he discovered it or pointed it out. But um, <laughs> it allows you to teleport a unit around. Yeah. So um, I was, we, we were playing, and I'll be honest with you, we didn't take great notes, guys, because Jeff and I play on such a regular basis um, that we just kind of dive into games. We were playing, and in the first round, Jeff teleported a unit, and we were talking about what his options were going to be. Uh, and he was like, oh, I can only teleport once per battle. And I was like, no, Jeff, you get to teleport once per round. And he goes, no, it doesn't work like that. And I said, man, you probably ought to check that book again. And Jeff uh, then checked his battle tome, read his battalion, and realized how much he had been underplaying his change host. I enjoyed it a great deal because uh, Jeff was just like, oh, this is significantly better than I initially expected. Yeah, um, it is such bullshit, man. I love this list. It makes it even worse. And yeah, I'm such an idiot that I uh, didn't even... I, didn't, I wasn't even using 
one. I was only using one fifth of my total dickery. Yeah, we're playing. <laughs> it's, we're playing duality of death, uh, which is a really interesting scenario where battle line and heroes are your primary scoring options. And um, Jeff's army did exactly what it, it's supposed to do. It teleported out, uh, took advantage of its positioning skills and stuff like that. Both of us were playing armies with a lot of weird mobility choices, the ability to kind of change the way we're doing things and the way we move things. Um, I think probably my highlight of the game was when I brought in my dragon and my Dracoths, and for the first time since Jeff's been playing Zinch, I fully removed a, a horror unit from pinks all the way down to brims. Yep, uh, completely. Yep, completely removed them, which I think is the first time that's happened to you. So that is a fact. Yep. And so I want to. I want to. I remember some of the details of the game, so I want to set the table a little bit. Price and I, uh, we're reasonably shrewd players. So I know what the Living City does. The Living City can come in off the board edges and be able to then use a command ability to move again after it shoots. So what that does is allows him to just, he will absolutely flank the crap out of you and be all up in your stuff. If you leave him space, he's going to fuck you. And he knows that I can, I'm very mobile. And he was like, he was able to set himself up completely outside of all the range of my shooting. So no matter what I did, I couldn't get to him turn one. And because uh, you win the game by controlling objectives, and it would give me an opportunity to kind of fence him out a little bit, I took that first turn. So th what that meant was I wasn't going to get any substantial shots on any of his heart. Now, he can't keep me from everything because I can warp my guys around and be within nine, or just outside of nine. But um, the real damage in shooting comes from the Flamers, and they were going to be out of range of everything. So he kind of relegated them to a backline role. So he's way far back, and I was like, okay, maybe he was a fool and left himself so far back from his center objective that I can literally warp over there and just take it. And unfortunately for me, he was not a fool, and he did not do that. And so he left me no good play, but uh, I was able to take the right side of the board – with my teleport, and I brought my hero over there, but and that's where his flank attack came from. But I was able to pin him to where he was coming in from the opposite end of the board, and my command group was kind of center left. Yeah, I think so. you taking the first turn. We talked about it after the game. I think that was still the right choice. It let yeah. you set up in really good position. And something else that's really relevant about Jeff's list that needs to be mentioned while we discuss this game is he has an additional bubble he, all of his stuff's minus one to be hit in close combat, and his general also applies a minus one to be hit from shooting yeah. for units wholly within 12 inches, which meant that if I wanted to come in on the side with Jeff's general, I was really going to lose some of my shooting efficacy, uh, which I wasn't fond of. Um, yeah. But yeah, so uh, unfortunately, um, we did end up having to call this game relatively early. Uh, I had to head home and take care of a, uh, a couple things, but we did give Jeff the win uh, Jeff, if if you had a highlight, what would you, uh, what would you what would you say your highlight of the game was? Um, I, I would say honestly, just being tested by the fiercest opponent I'm aware of, and being able to still recover from your anvil hit, your just absolute smashing hit on me, and be able to bounce back and maintain control and play smart in order to 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 pull out a win because you had me on the ropes and I was about to die and uh, just some really clever movement because once again, moving is how you win movement saved my bacon. So yeah. 
It was a great game. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. As usual, another stellar match with the best AOS player I know. So once we get back to normal, we'll be able to to resume those games and bring you guys some more tales, as well as some games against other guys in our shop. uh, We've got some really cool players out there as well. And and so now that we're done with that, we want to talk about, because we're going to be all pinned up in here and not going to be able to do many more games, if any, we want to talk about some new content that we've been considering and think that it's a great idea. Uh, Dayton, why don't you introduce that? Yeah, so you've asked questions to people on Facebook, and we're going to start going over to Battle Tome discussions. And instead of like breaking down Battle Tomes and everything that goes on with them, we want to start going into just list ideas. So we're going to come up with a segment going forward now on... We'll pick a battle tome, and each one of our hosts will come up with a list, and then we'll kind of deep dive into that and pick it apart. And just these are not going to be tournament breaking lists. These are just going to be kind of what we would like to bring to the table had we played that army, and it gives people kind of a something starting point for those that haven't really jumped in before, or maybe it starts considering other units you never thought about before. But basically, since we can't run tournaments anymore, it's going to give us more content to talk about. Yeah, this is going to—it's going to be a list theory crafting session, and these are lists that, yeah, like Dayton was saying, that we think have some legs. They're a great place to start for a competitive build, at least for mine and Price's case, because that's just kind of how we think. Um, and uh, it'll be a great way to start into that army and a good place to start building off of once you can start playing games with it and make tweaks that will adjust for your local meta, etc. But uh, these are going to be things that we, if I was going to build the army, I know that when I write this list, if I was going to go buy stuff right now, this is what I, where I would start. And a huge bonus is if you already play these armies and you think that we wrote terrible lists, it's a great opportunity to talk mm-hmm. to all three of us. Oh, so yeah. You see the and, list and you're like, look at these guys. What are they doing? Feel free yeah. to just unload on us. We're all that's right. It'll be fun. It'll it, be fun. So. Bring you know if you have a list already. Exactly. Price is one hundred percent right, which is something I hate saying. Uh, <laughs> he, you know, you can compare your list to ours, and we can talk about it. It'll be great. It'll be great fodder. Jeff, all I've been hearing is you sucking that hammer of Sigmar off of Price all the time. So, <laughs> so. Going to our post here, we have two voting for Disciples of Zeech. We have two for the Ogre Maw Tribes. And we got one for Blades of Corn. We got one for Lizard Guys. So, my vote for the next content will be Ogre Maw Tribes. I think it'd be really interesting. What do you guys think? I'd be be more than happy. It's a a book that I'm really interested in exploring some lists for. uh, Some kind of maybe out of left field lists and some different ideas with it. So I'd love to, to put together something a little off-kilter for Maw Tribes if we could go that route. You know, and Ogres is a totally fine choice for me. That is actually uh, part of my agenda for expanding my uh, AOS footprint uh, into destruction is Ogres. And uh, I ha- already have some lists already figured out that I have put a lot of thought into. So I got a little head start on these Jokers. Yeah, we're starting to get a little bit more of our teammates' interest in Age of Sigmar just from yes, this podcast the alone. Yes, the disease is spreading, yep. and it's a good <laughs> disease, not the not the Corona disease. Um, it is not Corona time. No, it's Coors oh, time, my friend. <laughs> Speaking of that, crack another one. Speaking get to know it, Jeff. Get to know it. Hey, there it is. All right. <laughs> That's what we live for. 
good times. All right, guys. Well, I think this is going to be about wrapping up Party at the All Points, episode two. Uh, like I said, next episode, we'll start going into a little bit more of the lists. Uh, we're thinking about maybe bringing on a couple of hosts to jump in on subjects. I got a few people lined up. Some guest guest people. Well, yeah, for sure, right? And start talking about a little bit more other subjects. We'll yeah. keep it in line with the Age of Sigmar, of course, as this is going to be the podcast for Age of Sigmar. But, uh, yeah, we got to keep something going here. I mean, we're stuck indoors for gotta, sure. Got to keep the torch going, so. Yep. I don't know. I'm very excited about this new content we're doing, so I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think that I'm not alone in saying that there's going to be a lot of interest in just this discussion. It's, it's going to be awesome. From the two listeners that listen to us, for sure. They're, <laughs> they're going to get really excited. Hey, man, two becomes, be becomes four. Two becomes four. Four becomes eight. <laughs> When two becomes one. Sorry. Uh, anyways. We could also do karaoke. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is Dayton Obrey from Party at the All Points saying goodbye. And my co-host, Jeff. Jeff Bodine. Adios, guys. And this is Price Vandenberg. Have a good evening, guys. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time. Can I ask you a couple questions about the whole dang plan? Why the Holocaust? Why the slavery? Why the crusades in the name of praise?